Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. And as you go there and you are there, please stand for the reading of God's holy word here this morning. Now begin in verse 3, Colossians 1 and 3. This is the word of God. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of the truth the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of god in truth just as you learned it from apophras our beloved fellow servant he is a faithful minister of christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Amen. You may now be seated. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for another glorious morning, the opportunity that we have to come together, gather corporately to worship you in the three aspects in absolutely uh, beautiful songs unto you today. I pray that you were pleased also in our giving and today in the reading of your words so that we apply it to our life and that we're thankful and we understand that by you sending your son Christ to the world to become flesh to suffer on the cross to atone for our sins that we may be justified imputed by his righteousness and also given eternal life we are so thankful so thankful as Paul mentions that we are always thankful so today we give you the glory and honor, Lord. We pray that you would utilize me today, that I would speak without error, that this is your word. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, in this letter, there was a heresy being taught in the city of Colossae, as I mentioned last week. And this heresy had to do with Jesus not being enough. Jesus was prominent, but he wasn't preeminent. But we'll get into the preeminence of Christ um, next week, but meaning that Jesus is important, but um, you need to add a little something to Jesus. And, and so because this heresy was going forth, um, and we're reading the scripture, and when Paul was writing the scripture, it's very important for all of us to get a good understanding of what this letter is about. And it's about saying Jesus plus something else. Anytime you add something to Jesus, you're actually taking something away from him. And so we should never take away anything from Jesus. I mean, never, but even try to add something to him that would primarily you do. So just to tell you today that there's Christians, and as I mentioned last week, that Christians like to say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but I also read astrology. I'm a Christian today, I'm a Christian, and I love the Lord, but I also partake in some new age religion. Uh, I'm Christian today, and I, and I believe in the Lord, but I also practice some mysticism, and I participate in some things like yoga. 
See, what you're doing then is you're being taught about something. You're, you're being taught about a Jesus, and then you add something to Jesus. Here, there was a, a form of heresy made by very intelligent, high-minded people that uh, produced what's called Gnosticism. And it's, it's the belief of having uh, your faith in Christ, but going outside of the word, adding something to your life so that you can receive some type of spiritual enlightenment, stronger wisdom, revelation coming from outside the Bible so that you can have a stronger relationship with Jesus because they say that Jesus wasn't a man, that God is good, yes, but that matter is evil, but we know God was man. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. And that's the important thing as we need to understand in our Christology that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. These people were teaching that he wasn't man. He was a spirit being and that nothing good comes from the flesh. So that if anything that we do in the flesh is considered evil, you will actually not get the wisdom that you need to understand the Bible. That's complete heresy. So this is what was being taught here. This is what being taught here. So that's why this letter was important. But right in the onset here, we're going to tell you that Jesus is enough. Amen. Jesus is enough. Now, there's, there's different religions out there that say, Jesus is the Lord, but I'm, I've got to shave off my beard. Jesus is the Lord, but you women need to wear long skirts and you can't no longer wear jeans. You understand what I'm saying? I'm adding something to the faith. I'm adding something so that you can stand out more because obviously Jesus wasn't enough. Let me add something to Jesus. What if we told you that Jesus was enough, but you women can't no longer wear makeup? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is enough, but wait a minute, you can no longer, no longer swim together in the same swimming pool. Jesus is enough, but the men have to have their own barbecue and the women have to have their own barbecue. We can't eat together. That's really the type of religion and legalism that is going on today. We can eat together. We plan, we plan on eating with you after church. And a lot of you look good with makeup on and jewelry and you know, all your jeans and everything that you have on. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He did everything that we needed to secure our salvation. And so he's enough. We don't need to add anything to him because when you do, you take away from his deity. You don't add anything to Jesus. That's why we tell you, you need to understand who Christ is. Christ-centered life is very important. Now, there's a lot of different religions and a lot of different teachings about Jesus where you would have to add certain things and certain rules that you need to add, like these Gnostics were teaching. There's Jesus plus rules. Jesus plus legalism. And so what it does, it paints a bad name for Christianity because when you go to church and someone talks to you about God, they think that you're just some sort of legalistic person. But we have what like my, my son was speaking today about the essentials that we need to absolutely agree upon. We need to agree about the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. We have to agree about that. You cannot disagree about that because if you disagree about the doctrine of the Trinity, then you don't have the right Jesus. So this goes back to Orthodox Christianity, historical Christianity, where the creeds were made that all of them came together to agree that the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity is very important. Anybody else who came with something else was declared a heretic, was declared a heretic. But you have this today, and many people are believing in a different type of Christ, a different, different type of Jesus, but um, we need to understand that Jesus is enough. 
is enough. Now, there's a type of teaching that if you do come to church and you come to church that you are going to receive your blessing, your financial blessing. So if we preach out there and tell you all you need to do is come to Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and he's going to turn your life around. If your business is going down, if you come to Christ, your business will then skyrocket. If you are feeling sick inside your body and you don't have Jesus, add Jesus to your life and he will heal you. There's so many things that they teach about Jesus that they preach this and people will come through the door and what you get is a crowd-pleasing message. But what he's giving you, he's saying Jesus is not enough. He's not enough. Because if Jesus gives you eternal life, that is enough. Amen. That's all you need is eternal life. He doesn't promise anything in the Bible where he says, you're going to be rich, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to prosper. He doesn't promise you anything like that in the Bible. But what he does promise you is that you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to struggle through some things. And so that's one promise that we know will come, but we have... Christ, he will sustain us through it. He will get us through the troubles and the trials that we face and the circumstances that we face. He will get us through it. Jesus is enough. Let's go to the text, verse 1. Paul says this, we always thank God. He says, we always thank God. Now, this morning, are you thankful for God? Are you thankful for God? Are you thankful for all that he does for you? Are you thankful this morning for God? I am thankful for God. I know that you are thankful for God. But when I wake up this morning, I always thank him for another day of life. But just if I happen to not unplug the apnea machine or something happens and I go see Jesus tomorrow, I know I'll be with the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> you know, you sometimes sleep and you kick the thing and you unplug the machine. <laughs> but I thank God because I have eternal life. That's all I need. I'm going to see Jesus. So I thank God. So you should thank God as well. Thanking him every day for your salvation that has been provided for. We thank God, he says. The father of our Lord Jesus, he thanks God. The father of our Lord Jesus, he's opening up with prayer. We thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus and uh, this is when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints. So you wake up and you thank God. You thank God for Jesus. And he thanks God because he's heard about this healthy church. This is a healthy church. It was a church built upon faith, love, and hope. It was a real, strong, healthy church. They understood the gospel because if the people in the pews and the people sitting in these chairs understand the gospel, then you go share the gospel. You're great at articulating it. You are learning, for those of you that have taken new members, you are learning to articulate the gospel. I was absolutely blessed this week when LaWanda came up to me and she articulated the gospel beautifully to me. She understood the gospel, but she could say to me, she could say to anybody out there and they will understand the importance of the gospel message but this church was healthy because they understood it and they heard it and they received it and the church was growing so here Paul is commending them and praying for them but they too were also praying for Paul so my question is how often do you pray for the one sitting next to you how often do you pray for those that you love in the church are you taking time to pray with each other and for each other because we really should 
Number one of the sermon notes says this, in prayer, always be thankful to God the Father for salvation. In Christ alone, Jesus is enough. The mark of a great Christian life is one that is in, uh, one that's dynamic in prayer. Dynamic in prayer. So before I go further in the text, I'm gonna show you how to pray, uh, what to pray, and then when to pray, how to pray. Now we address God the Father through the Son by way of the Holy Spirit. That is addressing the Father. You address the Father in prayer. Can you speak to Jesus? Absolutely. I talk to Jesus and pray to Jesus all the time. But you have to remember, sometimes when you hear people pray, when they pray like this and they say, I want to thank you, Father Jesus in heaven. What is wrong with that prayer? We know that Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is the Son. So we have to make sure that we have what's called a Trinitarian prayer so that you are accurately praying correctly. The Father, then you have the Son, and then you have what indwells in us. What is inside of us? The Holy Spirit. I love listening to what the, 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 um, the announcements and the prayers and the catechism course and everything that we give. We try to give you as much word as possible here that you are hearing it, you are reading it, and you are receiving it when you see it up there. But when Rob said up here and he said that we have the very presence of God, this is a conversation that I had with Jennifer yesterday about the presence of God. That you literally have the power of the Holy Spirit, God, living in you. So when all of us are praying, all of us are together, what presence is there? The presence of God. But if you are in the midst of three or four different people that don't have the Holy Spirit, they, they may not like you because they can't take you who you are in Christ. But sometimes you'll be able to minister to them, but sometimes they're just not going to like you very much. You may not stand because you're standing out too much. Because you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God with you. So we know when we pray, we pray God the Father. Then we address Jesus, the Son of God, and then the Holy Spirit. This is called aseity, and I taught this on one of the spiritual warfare lessons, and it was very important. It's the aseity of God, that God didn't need any of us. He was already in communion and fellowship with the Son and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. He has what's called complete aseity. He, he was all sufficient together. He didn't need us, but he created us for his crowning glory. He created us so that we would make much of him on this earth. Are you making much of him on this earth today? So there we go. How to pray. Address the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. What do you pray? What do you pray? This church here was very healthy because they understood the gospel message. They understood the gospel. They would be able to refute Gnosticism or any type of religious type of legalistic system that would come in and would say, wait a minute, that's not the gospel message. I understand what the gospel message. And these people understood it, so they went throughout their city in Colossae to share the gospel message. They understood it, they heard it, and they shared it. And they shared it. So it's what grew, it's what grew a healthy church. It's what grew a healthy church. So we come here to point two because we talked about what exactly a church, a healthy church, is built upon. Then I'm going to tell you what another like um, plan for a church, according to different types of teaching, what their mark for is a healthy church. We build it upon faith, 
Love and hope. These are the central parts of the Christian life, and they also make up of a healthy church. But when you pray, you pray for each other. You pray for the one you're sitting next to. You pray for me, and you pray, you pray for me. I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Turn the camera up. My mom came to live with me. I need your prayers. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need your prayers. I pray for you. You pray for me as well. How to pray, what to pray, but when to pray. When do you take time to pray? How is your prayer life? Are you a dynamic, prayerful Christian? Is your life centered around your life of prayer? How often do you pray? If you have to go to work early, maybe you go to work 15 minutes early so you can sit in your car and pray for 10 minutes. There's always a time to pray. Wake up in the morning and pray. If you, are, if you get up at 5, and you know you get up at 5, wake up at 4.45 and pray for 15 minutes. Take the time to pray for your day and to pray for others and to pray for your church. Watch God move. Take time to pray. How to pray, what to pray, and when to pray. We challenge you to continue your life and to grow to be a dynamic Christian. A Christ-centered Christ, uh, Christian uh, equals a dynamic prayer life. But a healthy church is one that's built on faith, hope, and love. But here's how other people will build churches. And on Monday, our prayer study group, the spiritual warfare group, uh, got a chance to hear this, and I was going to make mention of it today. This is what's called the three B's on how when someone wants to plant a church, this is what they will do. They'll plant it on this. Number one is I have to have a building. I need a building. I need a building. I need a uh, 300 seat facility I need that type of building secondly I need a, the bodies I need the bodies to come into the building and then finally the third B is budget I need the money I need the money and so what we're going to do is we're going to tailor our messages around your consumer needs to pull you into the church because I need your money I need your money to pay for the building I need to fill 300 seats up I need a bigger budget. This is what I need. Instead of building it on faith, which is teaching the word of God, understanding that when you teach the word of God, it develops love in your life. You begin to love one another. You walk with the love of God, and then you have hope, which is your eternal hope in Christ Jesus. This is what you build a church upon. The build a church upon is reading of the word of God. Is reading it, teaching it, studying it, and coming together and learning it together, asking questions, talking about it. Because what then, if you have the Holy Spirit, and remember the church is built for the Christian, it's not built for the non-believer, although we want the non-believers to come, that they will hear the gospel message, and you're going to hear it when you come to church. And so it's their opportunity to receive it. They respond to it, either positively or negatively. Either or, they're going to hear the gospel message. They're going to hear it. But our job is to teach the word of God. But if we design a church around getting bodies into the church, what happens is the church becomes a place of entertainment. It becomes a place of entertainment. And you have to entertain the people because if I can entertain you and entertain you, it will want you to come in. If we do things that will uh, cater to your flesh, it will make you come to church. And you will say, I had a great church service. What they teach, I don't know, but the music was great. They say, what did you learn in church? Has anybody ever asked you what you learn in church? Does anybody really ask you? My brother used to tell me that every time he would go to work, he said on Sunday uh, he would go to church, but then on Monday they would always ask him, his friend would always ask him, what did you learn in church? 
I said, well, what did you learn in church? He'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't have the notes with me. I don't, I don't know. Look, you have to understand that church is your time for you to come in to learn, to receive, and then apply it to your life. And you have to know what you're being taught is the truth. Have to know that. That's why we have the new members class. So you should be able to know what we teach here. You should be able to take the scriptures that we're reading and then going and understanding it and interpreting it and realizing this is what the original author meant. It didn't mean something else. Somebody taught me it meant something else. And there's a scripture I will utilize tomorrow and we'll talk about that because everyone thinks that you can call things into existence. All kind of Christians believe that they can call things into existence. You can call things into existence. Say things that are not as though they are. And when you go back and you read the text, you realize who was the one that actually said it. But there's a lot of teachings like this. Very, very important that we're not building a church on a budget or building or bodies but we're building it as the church in Colossae on faith, love, and hope. On faith, love, and hope. Let's move on in the text. Right there at uh, the end of uh, verse 4, it says, Laid up for you in heaven. It says, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit, and increasing. Why is it increasing? Because people know how to articulate it. They know how to share it. And he's heard this great report that people are sharing the gospel message and people are receiving it and it's bearing fruit and it's increasing. The numbers are increasing because people are being converted. God is saving people and they're coming to the church and they want the word of God. And this is a healthy church. In the book of Revelation, Revelation 2, this is in uh, reference to the same uh, letter as the church in Laodicea. And you remember that, where you get the scripture that says, uh, where Christ himself writes a letter to the church, and he says, I wish you were neither hot or cold, but because you are what? Lukewarm, I'm going to what? Spit you out. Now, because this, this letter was indirectly related to the church in Laodicea, what happened there, there was a spring, there was water springs that would go into this city here. And the water springs would get there, it was really hot water. Spring of hot water flowing into Colossae, uh, into Laodicea. A flow of beautiful cold spring water flowing into these cities. And in the word, Jesus was saying, because you're neither cold and because you're neither hot. You are lukewarm. How many of you love a cold glass of water? You love it, and it serves its purpose, doesn't it not? Does it serve its purpose? A cold glass of water serves its purpose. Hot water, how many of you scalding hot water? Of course you do. If you're a coffee drinker like myself, you want scalding hot water for your coffee. So it has its purposes. But for them, it was for medicinal purposes, just like the cool water was for refreshing your body. But if your water is lukewarm... It's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. So this letter was very, very positive to them because they were doing the right thing. This church was growing. It was a healthy church. It was a healthy church. The point was that many times you've been taught that if you're cold, you're wrong. And if you're hot, you're, or you have to be hot, don't be lukewarm. But you can be that cold glass of water, church. You can be that. 
and the hot glass, the hot water for medicinal purposes, but we're not to be lukewarming. We're relying on our own resources. We're relying on our own self. We're being self-reliant. We can't live like that. We don't want to be selfish Christians, self-centered Christians, but we want to be selfless, preaching a selfless Christianity. You are more important than me. You are the body of Christ. We are here to grow you in the word of God. And so this gospel message was increasing in the city. It was increasing. They knew the word. It wasn't just coming from the pulpit, but the people were sharing it, and the people were telling others about it, and it produced a healthy, healthy church. And it increased. It says it's bearing much fruit and increasing, as it is also does among you since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God in truth. And as you learned it from Apophras, our beloved fellow servant. Here was the leader of this church. And he was a fellow servant of Paul. Remember, Paul was writing this letter. He's in prison. He's in prison writing this letter, hearing this great news that his fellow servant, Apophras, has started this church in, uh, near the city of Ephesus, or where he had got this letter. And then he's, this church is increasing in knowledge, understanding of the gospel. But he's a faithful minister, a faithful minister. I am so thankful for the faithful ministers that I know that I grew up with. I'm thankful for them. When I, when I see that, I'm thankful for the brothers that I know that are still preaching the gospel, that went through the trials and tribulations of life, but they're still preaching the gospel, that they are still faithful to the things of God because nothing else matters, because in their life, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And so we prepare you for the truth of the word. Will we get sick? Of course, our bodies are going to get old. We're, we're not going to stay this way. We're going to get old in our bodies. And they'll fail us, but we have the hope in Christ, our eternal security. So this message, they're preaching it properly. They're sharing it properly, and it's increasing, bearing much fruit. And he commends Apophis, a fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on whose behalf? On your behalf. He's praying for you. He's praying for this church. Just like I do, I pray for you. I pray for each and every one of you. I know all of you, and I pray for you. I want great things for you. I want you all to prosper. Is it wrong to want things? Of course not. Is it wrong to want money? Of course not. I want you to have money. I want you to have things. I want you to be healthy. I want you to prosper in your life. I want your kids to grow up and serve the Lord. I want these things for you and I pray for these things. But these things should never have control of you. Never have control of you. The thing about it is in the other teachings, those things have control of everybody. They come to church because I want money. That money has control of them. People come to church because I, I want to be healthy. I want to be healed. And because they want the healing and not the one who heals them, and controls them. But I want these things for you. There's nothing wrong with prospering and having money. There's nothing wrong with it. But the problem is, is what Jesus checked the, the rich young ruler about. He held on to his money as his God. And he had the audacity to tell Jesus that I've command, I've, I followed the commands of God all since the days of my youth. All of them. Until Jesus checks him and says, well, take everything you have, go sell it and give to the poor. And he looked at him like he was crazy. Because that money was more important. Let's continue towards the end. It says, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So here he is, Apophis takes this letter and tells Paul from prison, the church at Colossae is growing. They're getting the gospel. They understand it. They're growing and they're bearing much fruit. It's increasing there. 
It's wonderful what's happening there. But man, there's this heresy that's going around. There's this heresy that's trying to come find its way into the church, teaching that Jesus wasn't enough, that Gnosticism, this, this, this thing called Gnosticism, is increasing about superior knowledge and wisdom. These people who are so bright and they talk really well. They're great speakers, man. They're pulling our people to the side and they're telling them and teaching them crazy things. Matter of fact, some of them want to come into the church and preach. And they talk really well. They speak really well. They captivate crowds. You know anybody like that today? Crowd pleasers. Crowd pleasing pastors. Afraid to preach the truth and the to go through the text of scripture because sometimes we need to be convicted about the things that we have been doing and yesterday we had a great meeting for the men talking about the Holy Spirit and us having the Holy Spirit within us so if the Holy Spirit's within us then why are we doing things as if the Holy Spirit can't see why are we watching things as if the Holy Spirit doesn't know why are we thinking things when we think that the Holy Spirit doesn't understand what's going on in our minds, of course. And we do these things and we defile ourselves. So that's why we read that one part that says reaching repentance. Repentance is important. And if you're comfortable in your sin and you're comfortable day to day doing the same things over again, then you really have to check yourself. You know, <laughs> you really have to check yourself. But if, if you are convicted and even though you're struggling in your area of sin and whatever you're struggling with it, and some of us struggle in areas than others, and if you're convicted and you feel bad about it, you know you have the Holy Spirit. Because you're never comfortable with it. You're never comfortable with it. You just hate it. You're trying to kill it. You're trying to stop it. And so you thank God through Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit. And you repent of your sins. Finally, the last point of the sermon is point number three. Point number three. It says, Paul commends the church at Colossae for learning and understanding the power of the gospel and their security in their relationship with Christ. Now, it's very important for all of us to always know the gospel. What is the gospel? How many of you know the gospel message? Every hand should be raised in this place. For those of you that don't raise it, I assume you probably don't know it. <laughs> you know it. Preached a thousand times. Right? And you know it. But this church was marked by it. They were a church of prayer, a healthy church. They knew the gospel. They knew the gospel message. That God would send his son into the world, church, to live for you, to live a perfect, sinless life, to be a perfect lamb, to be sacrificed, to atone for your sinful ways. Then he goes to the cross, sheds his blood. He dies, is then buried. Then he raises after three days. And God raises him from the dead. God is then satisfied, which is called propitiation. He's propitiated, meaning the wrath of God has been removed from his elect. It was placed on his son. God is satisfied. Jesus then descends into Sheol, the realm of the dead. Because after the three days, he is raised. And he ascends. He walks the earth. The disciples see him. They receive the message. That's why they're apostles. To go forth and proclaim the power of the gospel message about what Christ has come and he has done. Then he descends to heaven. And then he'll be returning back the second advent. He'll be coming in great power and glory. The brightness of his coming will destroy all of his enemies. It's the gospel message. And he suffered for you. He paid your sin debt. 
You sitting here realizing that you're accruing a debt so high that you can't pay, but Jesus pays it for you. He pays it for you. You'll never be able to work to God. You'll never be able to have say, Jesus plus my works, Jesus plus my own righteousness, Jesus plus whatever other way that there is, as if there's a buffet table of salvation provided in this world. There isn't. Jesus is the only way. He's all that you need. He is enough because he lived for you, then he died for you. And he gives you his righteousness. Praise God. Praise God. We stand here today and we're thankful for his work. We're thankful for the person of Christ, meaning he came in human flesh and he was perfect, conquered everything that you can imagine. He was tempted at all points like you and I, but he succeeded and he was powerful over it and he overcame it for us. He was sinless. That's why you can't listen to anybody who ever tells you that Jesus broke the law for love or that Jesus broke the law. Jesus broke the Sabbath law. Jesus broke the law for you. Jesus was perfect, perfect, broke no laws, but came to fulfill the law. And he did it. And then he suffers for us and he pays our sin debt. One day, those without Christ will have to stand before God and give an account for all that they've done in this flesh. Aren't you thankful that you passed that? You are passed over. You don't have to stand before God and give an account for all the things that you did, all the sinful things that you did in your life. You have, that's why it's passed over. The wrath of God has been removed from you and passed over you. You get to face God one day, of course. And you'll give an account for the works that you do in your ministry and the works that you've done. But by any means, will you be fearful for being tossed away as those that will be eternally separated from God? This is the gospel message. Finally, what do I do with all of this? Pastor Gabe, you may be saying, if you go to the application part, this is the part you take home with you. And then, of course, there are some questions on the side. I pray that you are reviewing those questions um, during your dinner time or even uh, speaking about it when you can with your family or friends. Talk about those questions. But application number one is to remember this. When when you come to, when people ask you tomorrow, what did you learn? Well, I learned how to pray, what to pray, and when to pray. I learned to pray a Trinitarian prayer. I may not have prayed that before, but I understand now that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one. And I address the Father by way of, through the Son by way of the Holy Spirit. Pray a Trinitarian prayer, it says, giving thanks to God for what? For salvation. You thank God for your salvation. You thank Him for your salvation. You are eternally secure. If today's your last day, you're going to be with Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. The great experience that I've had as pastoring church for the past seven years is meeting people, hanging with people, talking with people, becoming friendly with them, and they become brothers in Christ and loving them and teaching them, and then they die unexpectedly, but you know where they are. You know where they are. It's been a wonderful experience having to experience that because when they're dying and they're on their deathbed, they have incredible peace, incredible peace. Pray a Trinitarian prayer and give me thanks to God for salvation and for provision and for provision. You ask God for the things that you need. He knows you need of He knows what you need, but you ask God for the things that you need every day. Ask him for what you need for your ministry. Ask him to wake you up. If you can't get up and you can't pray, ask him to wake you up. Say, Holy Spirit, wake me up. Let me go to work early so I can pray five to ten minutes before I go in and, climb, and I don't know, 
I don't know if people press a time clock anymore, whatever. But before you go into work, pray. Pray. Second, remember, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's provided all we need for godly living. We have the word of God, the very word of God. The very word are the words of God from himself. It's for us to read, to study, to apply it to our life. Jesus is enough. Jesus plus rules? No. Jesus plus legalism? No. No, it's Jesus. He is enough. Number three, Christ is supreme and sufficient for all who believe and trust in him. And trust in him. A lot of you are going through the process of sanctification, meaning that God has got a hold of you, but you're still struggling in areas of your life. You still wonder why you're still following or doing certain things in your life. It's because you're going through the process of sanctification. This is what you are called to go through. You're, you're on your way to glorification. And the only way that you become glorified is when you die. So you're going through the sanctification process. You're struggling with sin. There's things that you don't like to do. There's things that you're fighting, you're fighting. Some days you have victory over it. Some days you don't. But yet we know that Christ is all we need. He's sufficient. He's everything that we need. Even though that you sometimes are beating yourselves up about it, remember, repent. And go forward. Move forward. Because Christ is enough. He's all sufficient. He's everything that you need. He's everything that you need. He's all sufficient. And he is for those who believe and trust in him. And we want those people to receive the message and believe and trust in God. Believe and trust in the Lord. Trust in him. He's all you need. Finally, number four. The mark of a healthy church is when the body understands the power of the gospel, yeah. which builds the body through faith, love, and hope. Now, the body has to have a head. Amen? Amen. Who's the head? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the head. But if you don't have the right Jesus, and he's the head of the body, then your body's all messed up. Your body's all messed up. Now, if you work out, those of you that work out, None of you just work out your right arm without working out the left arm. None of you do that. You work both sides of it, do you not? For those of you that hike, how many of you like to hike? <laughs> a lot of hikers in this church, right? But you're probably not going to hike for a minute. You could probably hike for, like, for Rob in an hour. <laughs> you keep hiking, you keep hiking because you know you're getting physically stronger. Your stamina, you're trying to increase your stamina. You're trying to be healthy. And the body needs to be healthy, and the, but the head needs to be right. If they're preaching a different Jesus, then the body will then be corrupted. Yeah. The head needs to be right. Are we learning who the right Jesus is? That's why I tell you to beware what you watch. And sometimes I see what you watch because, like I said, I'm friends with you on Facebook. And I'll see some of the things that you watch because you'll post it. You listen to this pastor or you listen to this. And all I do is just cringe like... Didn't they not listen? <laughs> what did you not understand? Do not listen to that guy. <laughs> and so there, there are some stuff because what they do give you, they give you half truths. Like, it's true what they're saying here, but this is all an error on the other side. But it's half true. It's half true. Believe me, I came from a Word of Faith church. I was raised in one for eight years. So I, I, I know all about it. And what they teach and what they what they believe and a lot of it was half true some of it was true a lot of it was false so I understand so I understand but we have to have 
making sure that the head is correct. The mark of a healthy church is when the body understands the power of the gospel. That's why we want to minister to all of you. We want you to be a part of our evangelism class so that you understand the gospel, but you know how to articulate it and you know how to share it. Some of us just like just don't know how to do that. And some of us like kind of don't have the personality to go out and talk to somebody. But believe me, you can't sit there and talk and it'll come out of you. Let the Holy Spirit use you. It'll come out of you at the right moment. God will bring somebody in your path and you will lead them to Christ. You will lead them to Christ. Let us pray. And you can go ahead and play that jazz. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close in prayer. And this altar is open for you. If you need come to come forth and to pray, I will pray with you and believe in God uh, for your needs, to meet you at the point of your needs.